So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast, and it's episode 60 for us today. Toby and Leo joining me as always. I'm Archie as your host taking you through, and well, it's been a week since that last round of the Rugby Championship. We've got another week to wait until we get the next round and the first blood is low, but let's cast our minds back, boys. We had a weekend, we had only one team winning a game on that weekend, and that was Australia, the Wallabies, getting their first win of 2019 over Argentina. Where is the Springboks in New Zealand? Drawing, 16-all. And why don't we start with that one? A bit of a new look, All Blacks lineup. The biggest note was something we didn't expect to see, but a lot of people thought might be a good option, was the Moanga-Barrett both on the field at the same time, 10-15 combination. Yeah, look, Arch, I think it was an interesting thing to see. They've still got to form that combination properly, but I think there is promise there. It's just getting the balance right and knowing when these guys should be injecting themselves. You can see with Bowden, with a bit more space out wide, how damaging he can be. And Moang is really good at controlling the game. But to be honest, I think Richie didn't have the best game. I think he can improve. But Bowden, as always, kind of gets him out of trouble. Yeah, Barrett got opportunities out wide and showed his pace and, and good good passing, you know, making sure that he's throwing the ball out in front of the winger to, to really run on and, and make ground, not, not um, you know, passing it behind like the Wallabies did and almost butchered a try. But um, I, I don't know, the, to see them both there and, 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 and that extra pivot, like, do, do you feel like Barrett one-on-one with, a, with another defender isn't going isn't to do the same as their, their typical fullback, like, you know, Draw the draw the man and and sort of offload. He's, he's not going to look for contact. Is he is he more likely to just pass it and the defense can assume that? I think it's harsh on Ben Smith to be moving him out to the wing again because I still think that he's one of the world's best fullbacks. But just with the former Richie Mahonga during Super Rugby season, I think that's what's forced this. He's been so good during the year that they think, look, he's a waste on the bench, and can we get both of them in there? I'm not sure. If they do this in the next two Bledisloes, that's probably going to signal the intention for the World Cup. But whether they see this as just an experiment against South Africa where they were willing to kind of... Um, they were even willing to lose that game if they had to for these experiments. But um, I don't know. I, I, I don't mind it. I would like to see where it goes. I'd like to see it for the next two Bledisloes and um, see how far it can take them, what level they can get to working together. 16 all of fair result did you guys think that reflected the game accurately would you have thought that did the Springboks outplay the All Blacks in this I did I think that the Springboks are one of the form teams at the moment I think they're bringing a lot to the party they're they're doing things much better than previous years they're they've got those big forwards they can work off but their back line's operating really well Um, their rush defense is amazing and they're just not making many errors so I think they will improve again. Um, I still think the All Blacks, look, they're traditionally probably slow starters. Um, we haven't seen the best of them yet, but I think it was a pretty fair result. The 
the way the Springboks kind of snatched the game at the end to get the draw, that's something the All Blacks traditionally do to us, where they, you know, win in the last five minutes when we think we've got the game. Um, so it was good to see kind of the the script kind of flipped on this. It's just a shame that the box couldn't actually get the win. The All Blacks being slow starters, like I know in in previous years, the schedule has always had the All Blacks Wallabies as the first fixture for the championship of nations before that. So it is, it's actually it's different seeing them come up against a pretty hot Argentina, like coming off the back of the Jaguars, turning to the Pumas, um, being very strong, and then the and then the Springboks again form team. And and doing very well with what is uh, a, a mixed backline without a lot of existing like established combinations. Like these guys aren't playing Super Rugby together. You got Faf and Larue, and then you chuck Chesham Colby in there. Like these guys have all been thrown in after coming back from Europe. Um, and and Andre Pollard and, and the rest of the backline are doing a really good job, kind of bringing all that together. Um, then, then I just think the All Blacks will come play the Wallabies. Maybe, maybe you'll it'll play out what you're saying, Toby. Slow start into more momentum because Australia definitely the you could say the weakest, not the weakest, sorry, the weaker of the three uh, typical Tri Nation historic Tri Nations group. Mm. And we're seeing now the Springboks actually having depth to to rival the All Blacks at the moment. Um, from my perspective, it's probably one of the best squads I've ever seen them put together. So you don't lose anything when you bring on bench players. Again, Herschel Ganchis um, did really well off the bench. You know, you got two world-class nines there. You got probably a few tens you could throw in apart from Pollard. And they just have those really abrasive forwards in spades. They have such good locks. Um, I mean, their front row is probably still a little bit lacking depth. But I think apart from that, across the park, they've got guys in multiple, you know, multiple guys in positions that can really play at a high level. And so to answer your question, Arch, I, I think the result's probably fair. Like, it's it's South Africa coming to New Zealand, bringing, bringing the fight, playing really well, uh, very difficult to beat the All Blacks at home. I think this is still... Uh, you can see that the excitement and the jubilation in the Springboks, for them, this was a success. Like, to, to draw with New Zealand in that circumstance playing all the way through to the 80th minute, mm. I think they'll see it as a uh, as a metaphorical win, although it's not a, a win in, in the score sheet. And and they're still sitting on top of the table anyway. So they can they can definitely still have the, the rugby championship regardless what the All Blacks do. Yeah, true. And I think, look, Toby, you're right. They've got a lot of depth. I think Faf still showed that he is superior to Herschel Yangshis in this game. They definitely suffered a little bit when Faf got the concussion, had to go off. Um, and Herschel came on early. It took them a while to sync up a little bit, despite his sort of 79th-minute heroics in that. But Springboks uh, also really were dominating the All Blacks early in this game and only managing to take sort of six points out of that first 20 minutes with the All Blacks giving away a few strategic penalties, which they just seem to know how to do to stifle the opposition's attack. Uh, I think the Springboks would be hope more, but that's the last time we see these two guys... Uh, face off before the World Cup, and of course they're in the same pool come Japan. Yeah, and what a game that's going to be. I mean, South Africa, I think, will continue and improve, and the All Blacks need to. So I think it's going to be a really big clash come that pool game to decide, you know, who's going to be playing who in the quarterfinals. Anyone you would change from that South African team that we saw um, coming up against the All Blacks? There's been questions saying that maybe their centres aren't aren't quite the right pairing for them, that Dialende... 
um, doesn't quite offer the playmaking thing, whether Francois Stain should be coming into that 12 role and things? Well, I think Franz is probably past his best. I, I, I'm still a fan of Delende. I wouldn't mind seeing Jesse Creel in there, but um, I know there still is, um, you know, there is a quota system in place, essentially, and whether Jesse Creel isn't able to actually um, start, I don't know if that applies to the starting 15 or just within the 22. I'm unclear on that. But I think Jesse Creel, you know, is potentially a better 13 than, than Am. Mm. I think I think Lacanio um, has his moments. I, I actually think their their twelve options are all a bit similar and a bit um, sort of lacking that extra dimension because they're not really ball players. They really are just massive ball runners looking for offloads. Is probably all they really get out of those guys. I, I would be happy with Creel, but I just don't think they have uh, a twelve in there that can well obviously would meet the quota, but. Um, I don't think they have a lot of variety in their twelve. Not to say that they're not bad, that they're bad players, but they're just all a little bit the same mm-hmm. type of player at differing levels of ability. I think Deliende offers a bit more than as the other guy, um, Esterhazen. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think he's right. a little he's bit more skillful. The two, but they're very similar. They're both big bodies, um, but that's kind of the model we're seeing in world rugby at the moment. You know, mm. you've got Sonny Bill in there at twelve for the All Blacks um, at their best to Elangi twelve. For the for England, and now we've gone with Karevi. So I think that's the model. It's whether you know guys that play at fifteen like Larue can step in to kind of assist in the playmaking. I don't mm. think necessarily we need to to see someone like Fran staying there at twelve. Yeah, well, I think other than sort of their yeah centers, I think you can argue that the rest of their backline was really really strong, especially Cheslin Colby, one of the smallest guys on the field, but ferocious in defense. They were putting up stats him versus Rico Iwani and just how well he su- shuts him down and doesn't allow him sort of any line breaks, doesn't allow him any tries whenever they face off against each other. Um, but really impressive from him. And I think if they get Deanti back on the other wing, they've got two really quite exciting guys that aren't the biggest guys, but they've got pace to burn and they, they really uh, pack a shot in defense as well. Yeah, and he's, um, sorry, Colby has kind of carried his form across from Europe. He's been playing really well up there and he's not slowing down at all, so that's good to see. Um, obviously, Khaleesi should be coming in at six when he's healthy. Yeah. Um, Peter Steptatoy, I think, is the mainstay there and the number seven on the blind side. Um, but yeah, there's, I couldn't really fault this team, to be honest. I thought they were really good. And actually, compared to, compared to previous teams... Is there anyone in the South African team that you really dislike and despise because they're a bit of a grub and you just you can't can't you know support them against say the All Blacks or anything? I'm actually having trouble disliking this Springbok team. I think they're all pretty good quality players. I don't I don't have a you know there always used to be a grub that like a shock burger or someone you're just like oh I just don't like that guy. I don't, say, I don't feel that way about any of these guys. It's a Beth still gets on my nerves a little bit. I would say. Yeah. It's just funny. Maybe I find the it cartoon, weird. Like, I usually have dog. someone... Quagga Smith. Quagga <laughs> yeah. Smith. But none of them really, like... like I don't feel like any of them are dirty grubs that, that I just can't stand. And I have definitely felt that way about the odd player in South African teams before, yeah. giving me a reason to not want to support them against anyone else. I probably would have gone for the All Blacks against the Springboks in previous, previous encounters. But I'm actually quite happy seeing them coming together, playing well as a unit, and I don't have any guys in that team who I'm like just I want to see lose it's it's a weird I mean Snayman's name, name, probably a potential guy that's bringing no, too like much Snayman. but you like him yeah so yeah. he's a great player 
But you're right. Like they don't tend to. These guys that are bringing the niggle, they're, they're good, still they're playing good rugby. They're good football, yeah. Yeah, they're not and playing rugby, rugby. Years, they're playing skilled rugby. Mm, yeah. yeah, good on them. So they've got multiple levels to their game, and and you know they offer a lot. So it's hard to hate hate on them. They're just. Yeah, the forwards really I've been particularly impressed with the amount of skill they're showing as well. Um, and teams need to do that now if you're going to compete with the All Blacks. Yeah, which more and more teams seem to be able to do. And the All Blacks in this one, obviously, a few more handling areas, a few more sort of areas of maybe the cracks in um, their play and areas to exploit. Uh, they suffered two injuries in this game. Brody Retallick dislocated shoulder so he won't feature for the rest of the rugby championship should be back for the world cup and sonny bill williams not traveling with the team for australia as well so two reasonably significant people to drop out of that 15 that they're going to have to replace coming up against australia the thing that gets me is that the old blacks have been reasonably poor but they've still got a win overseas in argentina and now a draw where they played not too well you know at home against africa I feel like they're saving their best for us next, and they've been prioritising this Bledisloe, and you may see this coming weekend that they they really step things up from there. Mm. And Steve Hansen said he is. Steve Hansen has said yeah. that he will name a full strength side for this weekend in Perth. But before we get into that, let's go to the Wallabies game uh, up there at Brisbane versus the Argentinas. Pumas coming off that uh, exciting game, but a loss versus the All Blacks at home, and this is another game where. Australia only able to score 16 points, one try each, but a couple of penalties deciding the difference. And we saw a bit of a different look to this Wallabies team. We saw Christian Leliofana getting his first start in many years, coming into number 10 there. You saw Corabidi coming back onto the wing. Um, other than that, a more or less unchanged forward pack with only Scotty Seo coming in being the difference here. But let's start with the playmakers. Genia Leliofano, what do you think of their performance in this? I thought Lelefano was really strong. I know, I know he uh, he set up that uh, great little run around with Marika. He, I think, his talk must have had an impact on this game because, albeit it's back at home and maybe the forwards were a bit more charged up after a bit of a a bit of a slow uh, and and um, disorganised effort against the Springboks. But the forwards were just all all in the right places, and I've got to you've got to give some credit to Genier and, and Lelefano for organising them. And really driving them and running them on, getting them running onto the ball. That's I don't think that's down to the individual forwards just changing their game. I think that's an organisational thing from the halves. Yeah, remarkably, Christian only touched the ball I think seven times in this game or something. He really wasn't as influential perhaps as I thought he would be in the plays. But we see now a lot of the the actual passes are coming directly off nine to the forwards and hitting it up. So Christian probably wasn't able to kind of influence the game as much as he would have liked. Um, I'd like to see him get another opportunity against the All Blacks. Whether that happens or not, we'll have to we'll have to see. But yeah, I think it was a solid showing by him. He kicked really well for goal. He, his general play, um, general kicking um, was pretty good um, alongside Bill. Uh, I wasn't quite as hot on Genia as other people were in this game. I still think that. There are times where he should be getting in the ruck to, to clear the ball out and really secure it, and he stands back, and, and it often results in a turnover. Um, that's something that Nick White was doing so well last week. Um, he did so, actually do that once this week, though, finally. Yeah, once, but there were a couple of times where he still was standing back, and it was, yeah. it was frustrating again. But you can't deny the class of Genia, the influence he has on guys around him, um, how much organisation he brings to that back line and also the forward pack. 
Um, but yeah, look, it, it's good to have Nick White there in the background. I'm not sure he's going to get a start again in this um, Bledisloe series, but I think two really solid options. So I've been pleased to see, I think, Nick White almost put some pressure on Genia and see Genia raise his game. And the forwards stepped up, as Leo, you've already said, but especially in the scrum. And I don't know whether this was just the different CO coming into the starting team, but uh, we saw Kepu really step it up. And really, the Wallabies scrum became a bit of a powerhouse force in his um, earning multiple penalties and really driving back the Argentinians and really putting our backline on the front foot, which was something we lacked versus the Springboks. That can, involved with a line-out that, as with versus Springboks, was dominant as well, disrupting the opposition, but also um, smart calls and getting quick early ball uh, even when we're under pressure. So really seems like we're taking a step in the right direction, especially in our set piece. Yeah, and last week our, our line-out was so strong. Probably wasn't quite as good this week, but still acceptable. And our scrum's really improved. I'm still not happy with Kepu being there. I think once Alalatoa comes back, um, he should be slotting into the starting spot. And then you've still got Taniela coming on, really bringing that power in the second half. But, you know, apart from that, the, yeah, you've got you to big up the locks. They were really involved, um, obviously working well within the scrum. And we've got a weight advantage in that scrum now, I think, that probably isn't going to be matched by any other international team. We're looking at, you know, around with that starting lineup, we're at 920 kilos. So even against the Argentinians, I think we had about a 60-kilo weight advantage. Mm. Um, so we're, we're looking powerful in, in both areas, but we just can't rest on our laurels. We need to continue and improve because we always know that the All Blacks are pretty strong in their set piece, um, so we do need to match that. Yeah, I think the areas that the Wallabies maybe didn't, it didn't cost us too many uh, opportunities or didn't, didn't sort of offer up opportunities so much to the Argentinians. I'm a bit concerned that um, guys like Roda looked a bit slow in this game. Lucan was okay, but again, a little bit slow off the ground. It's it's those little one percent efforts, getting back in the line and and getting set in defence that the All Blacks will definitely be trying to capitalise on. So if they see a forward here or they're just consistently being slow back to their feet, they're just going to keep rolling those short one out phases at that player until that that uh, hole opens up and. That that's my criticism usually of Lucan's just a little bit a little bit slow up off the ground uh, can be a little bit loose in his in his tackles. Uh, Rodder's not usually one that I pick on, but he he looked a bit out of it um, just in general play. It was very good in scrums and lineouts. I can I'll stick with that though. Let's look and at... Nicerani was really good. Yeah, of course Nicerani putting another performance back to back and really showing uh, how explosive he can be and just in terms of keeping momentum going never really seems to get stopped at the line of scrimmage seems to always make a meter or two even after contact and keeps us sort of moving forward let's look at the bench as well and a couple of new faces that came on there we saw tolu latu slide onto the bench here as well as new uh other names like luke jones um james o'connor being the big name that slotted back in here only with a limited sort of period as well as i want to talk about uh, Matt Tamua coming on because he got a bit of an extended cameo in this game in the second half. Tolu Leo, there you go. So I've he, had he my piece about Tolu. I've had my piece <laughs> about Tolu in the past. I don't think he deserved the the opportunity, but it was positive to see him uh, put in. So I can't can't fault the effort in the match. Um, I I think he's very lucky he got the opportunity. I, I still don't understand. 
how some other guys missed out. But uh, look, if if he's going to step it up, at least if Checker continues to pick him against my better judgment, um, then then at least he's not going to let us down. That's that's all I can say on Tolu really. But that's that's him playing well. That's not pl- him playing at his best either. He is so disruptive at the ruck. He puts pressure on the ball. You know, he, he can be an on-baller. He can pilfer. Um, he's really good at set piece. I mean, he's throwing probably can be a little bit up and down sometimes, but at the scrum, he's very, very strong. And these are all the things that, that Checker sees and knows he can do. Um, but it takes the right coach probably to bring that out of him, and I'm not sure Gibson was getting that out of, of him at the Waratahs. Um, yeah, so I think possible. that's why they're persisting with him. Because you can see now, if he's in the right frame of mind, if he's committed, he can really make a difference in, in games and, and really have an influence, particularly in the second half. So I think what with Tolu, it can, it can play out in a couple of different ways, and neither of them would be a surprise in, in some way. So if he, if he lifts his game, even though we haven't seen it in Super Rugby, and I don't think he earned the opportunity, but if he lifts his game and finds his best form then it'll look like a checker masterstroke and they'll say he was good all along, he's had a rough season, but they persevered and he, and he delivered. And you go, great, that's, that's great. It, it's still unfortunate the guys who delivered all current season didn't get a chance. The other way would be that if he doesn't deliver, then the obvious question will be, well, hang on, he didn't do anything all Super Rugby season. Why did he get this opportunity? You know, it can, it can kind of play out whichever way. It'll, it'll make some sense. Obviously, much more... Um, hoping m- much more uh, in favour of it playing out well and him and him having a positive impact. If he is going to come off the bench for us at some point in some of these games, then I'd much rather see him play well. But uh, yeah, like I said, he did play well. I can't criticise that. I hope it keeps going um, because otherwise, some other guys will feel pretty pretty poorly that they didn't get their own opportunity. How do we feel about Luke Jones in this one? Only a very limited showing here. Uh, do you think he did enough to keep a spot in the 23? Do you think he's going to get another chance? He gave away a pretty pointed penalty that gave the hag, uh, gave the Pumas some rather that line-out that led them to their try that put them back within seven of the Wallabies. I think he was desperate to get involved and possibly in a couple of rucks there he's a bit loose, lying all over the ball and kind of getting himself in the wrong spot. Um, it's really hard to judge on such a limited amount of time. I, I fear for him that perhaps he won't get another shot this coming week at least. Maybe uh, someone like Valentini comes in off the bench, um, if not Pocock, because it's unlikely that they're going to play, um, what, a 6-2 split on the bench. Um, I think they'll stick with having that reserve halfback there. So it probably means only back one back row is going to be available on the bench. Um, and I don't think Luke Jones necessarily can cover lock at the international level. So it does limit him. But in saying that, Jack Dempsey's been left out of the squad. So they have to, they must be favouring Luke over Jack Dempsey at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I can't really make a judgment on him based on that performance. It was just not enough time, not enough showing on the field. Yeah, I agree. And, and Luke Jones, when he was playing really well in the Super Rugby season, particularly early on, he was he was just... Uh, an absolute workhorse. He was getting around the park. He was chasing every kick. That's something you're only going to notice when he's on the field for a decent length of time that he's so involved. Now, yes, he's given away a, a dumb penalty, and you know that that in in certain situations that that could have been any player. And I'm sure it's not not necessarily what he was what he was trying to do. I don't think he's a a cynical or dumb player normally, 
Um, I, I think he needs. I think he deserves another chance. And I think if we see you know twenty five thirty minutes out of him coming off the bench at some point, I think we'll see some of the things that we appreciated in his game early in the season. One one thing I want to say is that perhaps he's a guy that is is better off starting, and then you bring him off after say fifty fifty five minutes where he's really put in you know, a consistent effort. He's not so much an impact player, um, and that's something I worry about him coming off the bench. Whereas when you have guys like Valentini or Dempsey, um, they're a lot more explosive and they tend to you know, work in short spurts. So I think guys like that might be more well-suited to coming off the bench for the last 20 minutes. There's, there's, and there's definitely a back row balance to it. It depends who else is in your back row. Maybe Luke Jones isn't so necessary because you have a Michael Hooper. So in the in the Rebels, he was your workhorse. He was everywhere because they had Nia Sarani. And who else did they have? Cottrell was their number cycle, seven. Cycle through Cottrell. different people, but Cottrell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's sort of changed a bit. But I mean, if if that's the argument, if you had Valentini and Nia Sarani in the best form with Hooper, you've got a workhorse. You've got. I mean, Nia Sarani himself has been a, a real workhorse. So maybe just that workhorse aspect of the game doesn't come into play in, mm. in Luke Jones's favour. He needs to bring something else. He's not a heavy ball carrier. Um, he's a very good line-out um, technician and, and he holds his own in scrums, but is that any different to anyone else? Well, our line-out's performing well and he may have become even more important if it had been dysfunctional, but at the moment it's looking pretty good. Um, right. And what we've seen so far is that Lucan is shifting from six to into the second row when they tend to bring on um, you know, a reserve back rower. So then it's kind of a perfect fit for Lucan to, say, go into Rodder's position um, and then you bring someone like Valentini or Jones into six. So that works well. Um, you could also do that with Pocock, but again, then you're kind of losing that balance of the back row that we like um, so far this season. Speaking of what you're saying, Leo, with Michael Hooper being um, so involved, do you think he made a... Uh, active decision to become more involved around the ruck this week. He's definitely seemed to be playing a bit more close uh, to the ball and playing a bit more of that pilfering role and being a bit more of a menace than we have seen him in, look, I'm going to say over the last couple of years, really, in the gold jersey. Yeah, we've we've definitely noticed him move away from being a really uh, prototypical number seven with with lots of pilfering in his game. Um, I think this week, this week they had to react to the previous week where they just had no presence at the rucks, no threat over the ball, um, and Hooper's the logical guy in the in the lineup they had. So I, I'd say it was definitely a conscious effort to get more involved at the ruck and be a bit more of a threat. Just give give the Argentinians a reason to commit an extra man or two into the ruck defence, which is a good thing. I, you do have guys like. Uh, Tolu or Taniella, um, even Alatoa sometimes would go for a pilfer. I think I've seen Lucan pick one up too. So we need to have that aspect in our game. I don't think we should be relying on one player. Um, Hooper definitely has the skill set. So if, if particularly if Pocock's not on the field, I think he needs to take the lead and then the others need to have a go every now and then to make sure that the we're keeping the other team honest and making them defend their rucks. I still think that it wasn't a great performance by us. It was a controlled performance, but I don't think if we play anywhere near that standard, we only scored one try. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't an exciting attacking. We didn't play that well. Answer. Every team. So I think if we don't step it up, we'll get try. we'll get beaten by thirty by the All Blacks if we play like that to that standard. Is that what you're predicting for this weekend? 
No, I did. Um, one of the biggest issues I had with the Wallabies this week, um, or last week, sorry, was look the the inability of them still to secure their ruck ball. They don't commit enough numbers to that breakdown often, and so we're seeing um, you know other teams disrupt that ball and slow it down, which is something we don't need. We need quick ball. Um, it was something that Nick White was doing really well, getting the ball out in the first game. Um, but I just think we need to focus a bit more on not having guys get isolated and having enough guys committed to the rock. Defensively, we've, you know, we are disrupting it more, um, but also we are leaving it alone when we need to. But in attack, I still think guys are a little slow to react. If someone takes the ball forward, it's not a planned move. Guys need to wake up and look around and actually get in those rocks. Yeah, I don't know if it's a structural deficiency, but we do seem to end up isolated, even when we haven't made a great line break. And the guys that get there aren't always that efficient. I, I don't think we're always... Yeah. yeah, that's right. I don't think we're always undermanned at the rucks, but we are very, very regularly inefficient. Those guys aren't you know, matching one-to-one and securing the ball. They're, they're really coming in the side and just kind of falling and... and you know, rolling around the the opposition's sort of knees and ankles, like it's it's not an effective way of securing the ball. So no matter what your number is on your back, you need to be able to get your body over the ball and secure it without diving over, without coming in the side. Just the basics, just to protect it and and make sure we don't concede those turnovers, because that's what's stripping away opportunities to score tries, and that's why we're only, you know, getting the odd opportunity and only was- making probably one out of one out of four or five. I was surprised that guys like Pablo Matera or the Pumas in general didn't capitalise on that more, but I know for sure that having guys like Sam Kane in the rucks um, this coming weekend, the All Blacks will just take those balls away from us at a moment's notice and then really focus on their counter-attack, and that's going to really disrupt any structures we have and I think lead to a lot of points being scored against us. So we do need to really lock that down. Before we move on to next weekend, we're still. I want your boys' opinion. One, James O'Connor, and two, Matt Tamua, the two back replacements coming on for the Wallabies in the second half. I said it last week, and I think I'm going to say it again. Matt Tamua should not be in the 23. He hasn't shown anything for the Rebels, and he hasn't shown much for the Wallabies, and I don't think he deserves to be there in that reserve playmaker role. Um, if they're not going to go with Christian again... I'd be happy to see Christian on the bench covering 10 and 12, but that may again have um, implications towards O'Connor, given he's covering 12 as well. So it's a bit of a balance there, but from my perspective, I think Tamur definitely needs to to go. Yeah, um, I wasn't impressed with Matt Tamur at all. Um, He hasn't really stepped up at the Wallabies level and and shown shown a a big presence and had an impact on the game. I, I think it is a bit of a a waste of a, a bench spot to you to have him there at the moment. Uh, O'Connor, I didn't see enough of. I don't think uh, he again, actually touched the ball. I, yeah, like he he, he, he went to gather it and fell briefly. over, running back. Yeah. You remember, he was meant to dive on it, and he just kind of fell over next to it. Um, yeah. So he didn't have a he didn't have a great start back to the Wallabies, but it was almost the hype around him being on the sideline, warming up a thousand times and getting the crowd going and. Almost looking looking like, you know, he's comfortable being there. He deserves to be there. He brings a bit of that arrogance, but I don't hate it. I think he's so versatile that he can cover. He can possibly cover 10 as well. He can cover 12, cover wing and fullback. So, 
he does bring a lot to the table, but we do need to see him for more than, say, 10 minutes to really get a, a handle on um, what level he's at after being out for six years. Yeah, and I haven't seen him playing in the Northern Hemisphere at all. I haven't gone and um, looked up any highlights of, of his game in recent times. So uh, it would be great that certainly the the stat, the spec sheet uh, potential is there. He can cover all these positions. We know he's a talent. Um, can, he, can he deliver it in combination with the existing Wallabies guys? Need more minutes and more opportunities to see that. But uh, again, in a World Cup year... Now two Bledisloe tests. Is this the time to be trying to unlock that potential, or is it a little bit too late? Like if it doesn't come off, should we have tried something that was a bit more established and under and and well known than you know this this sort of late flyer, which is a bit of a checker specialist. He's like he's happy to bring guys back in, you know, get Tamua back, get O'Connor back, other guys, and and I just feel like it's a bit of a hail mary effort. Like, do we really not have? the right set of guys already who are established and have good combinations. I wouldn't mind seeing him, say, at the 22 spot and then, say, Jordan Patera or some, more of an outside back at the 23 spot. Um, and Curtly Beal. Curtly Beal, 23. Banks I think Curtly, reta- Curtly retains the 15 spot. I think he just, overall, he performed quite well and I, don't know, I think he's probably done enough to keep that spot. I feel sorry for Banks because he didn't put a foot wrong, really, in that first game, but... Kirtley just offers probably a bit more in versatility and kicking game and picking up the ball and, and running in midfield and getting guys to run off him. Banks doesn't do that as much, and I think that's why you'll see him retain his spot. Um, whether it's justified or not, I know Banks had a really good season, but um, I feel like he's just on the fringe at the moment, which is unfortunate. But Kirtley, look, he's a class player, and I know that when he's on, he really makes a difference to these games. So... I can see what you're saying about him making an impact in the second half, but do we need there for him in the game for longer and not just the last, say, 20 minutes? Yeah, Dodd, I know he had a great impact off the bench against the Springboks, which definitely made a, made his case to start at 15. Did he play that well against Argentina? I don't think he performed amazingly. I don't think he performed that poorly. He was pretty much what he is. Uh, I just think you get much more consistency out of uh, Banks in in the fullback role and and Beal coming on fresh uh, with 25 or so remaining. I just think there's there's so much value there. I think I think if we're if we're fighting hard and he hasn't hasn't uh, had an impact early in the game, he's not going to lift like he can when he comes on fresh in the second half. Um, and I think Banks is your man there in defence. I think he's just a great coverall, great boot. Um, you know, a great positional play, really reliable under the high ball. I think he gives you everything except that kind of X-Factory special playmaker stuff that Beal brings, and I just think we should be, um, you know, getting that out of other positions and letting the fullback do their, do their normal routine. Well, we're sort of going into what we ex- want to see this next weekend in Perth with the first ever Bledisloe being played in Perth at the new stadium there. Um, big names that Toby already mentioned. Jordan Patea is travelling with the team. David Pocock as well is travelling out there. There has been some hints about whether or not he is available for selection this week, whether he's still a couple of weeks away. He was sort of pulled from a club appearance this weekend down in Canberra, so it's not really clear from that. But 
Boys, what do you expect from this weekend for the Wallabies team? What changes would you like to see made? What do you think will be made? Look, from my perspective, the forward pack is very solid. Um, I still think maybe Slip is a cut above CO at the moment. So maybe I bring him back in and put CO on the bench. Oh, really? Um, I thought CO yeah, like made yeah. a massive difference coming back on in this game. I still think Slipper at scrum time is stronger. Yeah. Um, I think his work rate around the field is really good. But CO is probably a bit more of a skilled player as well. He brings that to the table. Um, Leo, who would you put really in? Really hairs on t- this one. Tiebreak. Tie it's a really hard call because I do really like Slipper. Um, they they are they are different players. They're both very good. You know, S- Slipper Slipper probably gives you more off the bench than I, I bringing Co on later in the game. I just can't like Co doesn't probably lift in in the latter stages of the game. So if you say they're pretty even, which I kind of think they are, um, I think Slipper would bring some real aggression and and. S- Stability coming in off the bench, but I'd be happy to see him start. I just don't think Co would be as as good an impact player off the bench. Which, you know, it's not great reasoning, but it's probably my only reason to go Co to start. But at least we got this problem. You know, it's a real luxury to have two really high class loose head props to, yeah. at your disposal. Um, look, Kepo, I think personally, whether Alalata is starting or Taniella is starting, I think those are your two tight heads. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but yeah. that's the change I'd make to bring Kepu out of the 23. Apart from that, I'm happy with the the forward pack. I think it, they've been really good, and I'd like to continue that dynamic. Yeah, uh, I think you're still going to be stuck with Rob Simmons on the bench, mm-hmm. um, whether that's right or wrong, but he's going to be there. I don't think Coleman will come back in this quickly, um, and then it's that last back row spot um, that's up, you, up for debate. Do you really think Coleman wouldn't come back? Uh, I just think match fitness-wise, I think Simmons still has a good work rate. Um, he's quite physical now, and I think line-out-wise, he really locks that down when he comes on. So I think maybe Coleman long-term would be there for the World Cup, but I think it might be a bit too early to throw him back in for for the Bledisloe. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I agree that I think the lock pair is what we said early in the season when we saw Rory Arnold really lifting his game, taking some of the discipline issues away. Um He's just he's been excellent, and and Rodder, Rodder slowed down a bit. He hasn't been quite as aggressive, um, and and sort of energized. I think in the last couple of weeks, so I want to see him lift. Maybe the All Blacks will get that out of him. Uh, and the back row, the back row is is really firing. So Lucan, I I still think he's a bit slow off the ground. If he can lift his pace and just just stay involved, no loose tackles, then you can't really fault. The back three as a whole, there's good diversity there. They're all doing uh, a mixture of these sort of Archie's five roles that you need in your back row. Um, nice Arani, just yeah, every game, carry after carry mm. after carry over the game line and Hooper with a bit of pilfering. I, I think that's probably the best we're going to get. Okay, so forward pack we're pretty set. Let's go into the back line because this is where I feel like you guys might disagree and make a few changes here. Do you think I think we'd all agree Genny is going to start at nine this weekend? Yeah. Yeah, and Nick White off the bench. Yep. Number ten. What yeah, do I don't know what he's going to do. This is the biggest headache for Checker because Christian didn't do anything wrong to lose his spot, but there's that ultimate faith that Foley will perform. And then if it is Foley starting at ten, 
does that mean then Christian's left out of the team altogether? Or do you keep him coming off the bench at number 22 in coverage of that 10 and 12 spot? I would really couldn't make a call on this one. I, I almost lean towards giving Christian another opportunity um, because I think that he does offer a lot in terms of organisation and really running that back line well. Probably doesn't take the ball to the line as well as Foley does. Um, can get a bit lateral under pressure, so that could be an issue against the All Blacks. But, look, this is the toughest call. I think for the rest of the back line, from my perspective, I'd keep it the same. Um, but that 10 spot, I, I actually don't know what I would do in the circumstance. I only lean towards giving Christian another opportunity because I think he deserves it. Long term, though, I don't know which way they're going to go. Yeah, I I think that Christian Lelifano has certainly earned a right to a starting spot in this game. I think he's earned the respect of a lot of players. Like, I don't want to um, go back on, like, the whole, like, return from, um, you know, cancer treatment and all that sort of thing. That's been covered in in enormous detail. And it's a very impressive story and an amazing effort by Christian to remain focused and, and regain his, so his size and his strength. I think that must have... Also, I think that's also got a bit of an impact with his teammates. I think they would certainly, whether they played with him at the Brumbies or not, they would certainly respect that. I think Foley's been out of form and kind of disappointed for that long. I, I wonder if there's enough faith in Foley. I, I honestly think that the some some of these players, particularly the guys from the Brumbies, would have a lot of faith in Christian that they may not have in Nard Foley. Just from recent times, I don't think he's performed. I don't think he... His form suggests he should be there over Christian. I'd I'd happily stick with Christian, and then obviously Samu Karevi, TK in the centres. Uh, I'm happy with Hodge on the wing. I'm reasonably happy with Marika, although I I feel like he's the kind of player who the All Blacks will be able to, um, you know, turn around and 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 create opportunities out of poor judgments. Uh, not that he's not that he's uh, always making bad decisions, but he's definitely. Uh, a guy who will come up hard out of the line and the All Blacks will know he will try and do that. And if they can create, you know, a tempting situation for him and then exploit it, I worry that that will be, um, I worry that that will be a bit of a, a weak spot for us. And then I would have Banks at fullback. I would have Beal on the bench, Banks at fullback. Um, I'm happy to have buddy Beal and O'Connor on the bench if, if that's what it needs to be. Um, I, I really want to see Banks start. I think Beal will play better off the bench, even if it's only 30 minutes at the end. I don't know. Can you trust Beal and O'Connor on a bench together? Uh, I know it's been many years. Need... But... Well, Quaid's not there, so you can Oh, it's fine then. It's okay. It's only the two amigos. <laughs> the two amigos. Um, yeah, look, I, I agree. I've got to back what you're saying, Leo. I think that the team has an enormous faith in what Christian's doing, and I think they will stand by him because I think they're happy that he'll stand by them um, in a lot of things on and off the field. It'll be interesting if Luke Jones does get a second go on that bench. I feel like Valentini's been pulled across for this squad. I think he may get a go. I think they've been looking to give him a, a go early and often, and I think he might be the physicality that they'll want late in the game to keep going and keep upsetting a few of those All Blacks teams. In terms of what the All Blacks are going to bring, I think it will be a fairly similar team, but they will probably have to, well, they're obviously forced to replace uh, Brody Retallick. Uh, Scott Barrett's been put, called into the squad there. And there's also been talk that Kieran Reid, the captain, 
may not be suiting up at eight, that they may be forced onto the blind side so as to make room for Artie Savia in the back row at number eight. Yeah, put Artie at number eight. Why not put Artie at six? This I is don't my really question. See the difference. This, this was like, my question. Why disrupt the dynamic at, between the eight and the nine? Like Artie, it's not going to make a difference. Yeah, Artie can play seven. He can play six. He can play eight. Why disrupt what Kieran Reid does? He's already not in the best form. Why slot him into six? This Seems is strange. this was my question, and there's been multiple reports come out of about asking Kieran Reid whether he'd go and play six, whether. He'd make room for someone like Artie Sevilla to come in. And I don't really understand why, because Artie's not an out-and-out eight. He is a versatile player, as you say, Toby, whereas Kieran Reid, I don't know when the last time he wouldn't have worn the number eight on his back. He always suits up there. I can't remember him ever playing at blindside. And and since when a team's so rigid that the number on your back forces where you are at every moment it's on only, the field? It's like... only at scrum time, that's, that's right, that's... and you could happily put Artie at the back for a scrum if you wanted to. And it's just going to, you know, create questions in the minds of the Wallabies. Saying, okay, well, if Artie's at the back, is they they more likely to run with him, or is it a is it a bluff and it's actually going out the back blindside somewhere else? Like, I, I don't see any need to just sort of confuse the situation unless that's the unless that's the point. Um, why would you unsettle a guy like Kieran Reed, who's he's in his he's in his final. Uh, you'd think of, of international rugby and start shifting him around and I don't know, it just seems unnecessary. Mm. Well, they've had difficulty since Kano left at filling that number six spot and Liam Squire was doing it for a while, but he's counted himself out of All Black selection due to a number of reasons um, that he let Steve Hansen know he's not going to put his hat in the ring. Um, and then you've got guys like Dalton Pepperly being left out, Luke Jacobson still unproven, um, otherwise, you fall back on someone like Via Fafita, um, who, you know, is a decent number six, but probably not quite up to the level of All Blacks yet. Um, I think he's in and out of the team. He's not probably a consistent starter. So I think that's a real challenge for them at the moment to fill that number six position. And there were there was talk a few months ago that Scott Barrett would play six um, in this back row, mm. um, but now that Brody Retallick has gone out it's opened up the lock spot. So you'd have to think that Scott Barrett would partner up with Sam Whitelock. Um, you got that Crusaders connection. And then it's it's a, it's a wholehearted Crusaders type five, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, absolutely, Crusaders type five. I find it a bit strange, actually, that the question about Matt Todd wasn't really raised as playing number seven, whereas last week you had him at number seven. You didn't actually have Sam Kane or Artie Sevier in the 23. And you would have thought those two would have been preferred to Matt Todd at number seven there. Yeah, but they targeted this Bledisloe series as a priority over the rugby championship. And I think they were still using that South African game as a bit of a a testing ground for certain players. Um, So you've seen the squad tighten up this week and drop down to, I think, 31 men or, or something like that. So they've cut, you know, seven or eight guys out of the squad. Um, and I think they'll be taking this Bledisloe series pretty seriously. And then, look, if, if Kieran Reid doesn't perform, he could get pushed out of that starting team, which is quite difficult for them given he is the captain. So um, coming towards the end of his career and trying to hold on for a last World Cup, but, you know, the All Blacks will make the tough calls if they have to if he's not performing. And again, a guy under pressure, why would you move him to six? Mm. Exactly, exactly. And what about number 12? Obviously, they've lost Sonny Bill Williams, uh, not travelling with the team, um, hoping to be 
back and ready in the World Cup. Um, Ryan Crotty, not back from his injury sustained uh, just in the Super Rugby semi-finals, that broken thumb. So the 12 now, they're sort of left between um, using Anton Leonard-Brown in at 12 or Laomarpi in there. So Laomarpi. Laomarpi. I think that's he's number two in line now. Now that Crotty's not in the picture at the moment, I think Nani Laomarpi will start. Um, yeah. I think Anton Leonard-Brown's a better 13, but by the looks of it, Jack Goodhue had a you know a pretty killer game on the weekend and seems to be preferred at the moment. Um, I still probably prefer Anton Leonard-Brown, to be honest, but Jack Goodhue looks like he's locked down the 13 spot, so you're right, Arch. I think the 12, still a bit up in the air, but I think Laomarpi's probably done enough from that first game mm. in Argentina to, to get it. I wonder if they... Um... Like how much do they think about the Wallabies when they're when they're picking that that position? Because if we played uh, Foley or Christian, do you then think, oh, we'll lump up in, we'll just get him absolutely barreling in at the number ten? Um, is is that uh, a better option than Leonard Brown, who might be more fast, or even or even pushing Goodhue to twelve and Leonard Brown going out to thirteen? Because I, I wouldn't do that, but it has happened at the Crusaders when Enor came in and and started playing thirteen when Goodhue moved into 12. So, um, you know, there's a few different things they can do there. I actually think, I, mean, I think Lamar deserves it. We shouldn't actually rule out the fact that Moonga might drop back to the bench and they shift Bowden back to 10. So you've got that combination with Lamar at 12. Ben Smith goes to 15 and then Rico on one wing and Severis on the other. Um, yeah, I could oh, see I'll that say, happening as well. That could definitely so happen. That could actually help Lamar if he does have someone familiar around him. Um, as Bowden Barrett is. So I think a few questions in that back line. The, the forward pack for the, the All Blacks is relatively set in terms of players, maybe not exactly where they'll be, but the back line still has a few issues in it, and I think that's probably contributing to the fact the All Blacks aren't playing at their top level. Mm-hmm. So final thoughts. Will the Wallabies come close this weekend? Can they win? Or is this going to be... More of the same that we've seen in the first Bledisloe for the last few years. No matter where it is, the Wallabies aren't up to the challenge. I think it's got to help that this year we've we've had a couple of games and a chance to test some of our combinations. It's not ideal that we haven't actually set all these combinations and, and there are still questions, but at least the All Blacks are sort of in the same boat. Um, I would like to think that if the Wallabies come out strong... They, they clear the ruck, they get quick ball. The, the, the All Blacks have looked shaky at times in the past fortnight and the Wallabies can create as many opportunities as, as the Pumas or the Springboks. They just need to do it early and often and make sure the All Blacks fall back, on, uh, fall back early and start questioning whether they are the right combination now on the field and whether they need to start making changes. And It's just got to be that early dominance. If, if we stutter at the start and you know, get our clearance kick out of the 22 charge down and immediately put ourselves under pressure, I think that'll just play into the typical storyline where the All Blacks go, ah, yeah, this is the usual Wallabies stumbling away and we'll just, you know, we'll take our opportunities and we'll win this. The Wallabies need to come out strong. If we win the first 20, I back us. Um, I think we need to improve a lot from the game against Argentina. I thought we were playing at probably 60% of what we can do. It's it's good to see the set piece really functioning quite well, and I think that's very important against the All Blacks. It has to be doing what it's meant to be doing. Um, but, 
Look, I have faith the All Blacks will lift quite a bit for this one. I think it's going to be relatively close. Um, the Wallabies definitely have a chance here. And it's at Perth, so it's at a place where quite a neutral ground for both teams. I don't. The Wallabies aren't used to playing in this new stadium. They haven't done it before. The All Blacks traditionally either playing us in Sydney or Auckland or somewhere else in, um, or even, sorry, Suncorp. I think it's going to be a, a really entertaining game. Um, I do have confidence in us, but I, I still think the All Blacks will get the win. I think they will improve. Um, and I think the Wallabies have a lot of improvement in them, whether they do it in time. Um, I'm not sure they'll get there. So I'm going to have to take the All Blacks, possibly by 10. Interesting. Before we go on to the Argentina Springboks game, uh, I know you guys probably want to mention this. I didn't bring it up straight away, but the rugby world has been shook by the video of Bowden Barrett cheating, kicking the ball forward before his penalty versus the Springboks. Boys, reactions. Is Bowden Barrett the dirtiest player in world rugby? Don't care. <laughs> Honestly, it's the most like boring thing to be looking at really like these guys do it all the time I've seen Foley do it multiple times maybe not to the degree maybe not kicking it as far away or rolling it further forward as much as Bowden did but let's if you went back and looked at tape of every penalty that Bowden's kicked I'm sure he's done this quite a few times and we haven't picked up on it you know best of luck to him if he's able to get away with it but the problem is now the world's seen it every referee is going to be watching him like a hawk now so I doubt you'll see him do it anytime soon again. Yeah, look, this sort of stuff doesn't bother me a whole lot. Uh, obviously, if I was the opposition and that was the game-winning kick, I'd be I'd be pretty livid. But the fact of the matter is, the officials are often overlooking certain uh, actions in games, and obviously that one was very, very visible when when you're actually given the footage to watch. Um, every player is taking every advantage they can, bending. Uh, or you know, tiptoeing the edge of the rules wherever they can to get an advantage, and if the refs aren't on top of it, then that's what exactly what'll happen. It's only it's only been attempted because it's been overlooked or allowed in the past. So, and, and I agree. I think probably plenty of other players have done something similar. Maybe not a few meters, but certainly, cha- you know, knocking it in field a bit, getting a slightly better angle. Yeah, uh, I've the seen, only thing it makes I've seen Kirtley and Foley both do it. Yeah, for the, the only thing Emily, it makes so. me think in that game where where Bowden wasn't kicking perfectly, is he thinking? Is he feeling a little bit fragile with his kicking? Does he feel like he needs to give himself uh, a a bit of a a bit of a um, step up, a bit of a advantage that he that he didn't otherwise have? Mm. So I I don't know. Maybe it's mental fragility, which I'm quite happy to see as a Wallabies fan. I think we should be trying to exploit that. Well, chat would... in the in the ruck first time he gets tackled. With Richie Monga there, I think he does probably think that, look, I've got to be on point with my kicking. Richie definitely, I think overall in Super Rugby, is a more consistent kicker than Bowden. So it does put a little bit of pressure on him, I think. And we saw Richie take over later in that game, and it will be interesting if they are both starting this weekend, uh, whether Richie Monga or Bowden will get the first crack at the ball. Uh, But the other interesting statistic is how much worse Bowden is kicking with that Adidas ball that the All Blacks use at their home venues versus the Gilbert, the, the Wallabies, and most other teams around the world will use. So they'll be kicking with the Gilbert, so may find that Bowden takes the reins once again and doesn't have so many issues. Um, let's go to the other game, and this has got the Springboks able to wrap up the rugby championship if they take a win. 
though if the All Blacks do take a bonus point, they will technically be able to equal the same points, but they'll have to win by quite a large margin. Um, Springboks heading to South America versus Argentina. What do you expect happening in this game, boys? Depends on the team they put out. If they go with a similar team that they played against the All Blacks, I think they'll absolutely smash the Pumas. Um, But, look, in a World Cup year, there's probably still a bit of experimentation there. Um, I'm not sure what um, Rassi Erasmus is thinking with his lineup. Um, But, look, I think in terms of form, the Springboks are really on it this year. Uh, Pumas have showed a bit of form as well, but, you know, better at home. But I think the Springboks are, are probably a class above and, and we'll get this one pretty comfortably. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If, if the Springboks play that same sort of team and just look for continuity, momentum, uh, they can chalk up a big win. They can win the rugby championship. Uh, that's That's got a small uh, mental bonus for them going to the pools at the World Cup when they burst the All Blacks there. Um, I, I don't see them tinkering too much. I, I don't see why they need to. Most of these guys... Um, they're looking to bed these combinations in. I don't think they have too many question marks around who they'd like to play. I think they've hit on their best team and they should be trying to use it. Yeah, I agree. I think it will be an actually an entertaining game to watch. I think the Pumas at home always come with that flair and I think you'll see them uh, put a lot of effort into attack even if uh, they maybe do leave a few holes in defence and let the Springboks in early. So I think it'll be an entertaining game to watch in any case. Uh, but that pretty much wraps it up from us here at the Running Rugby Podcast. Uh, we'll be back to review the whole weekend and all the Bledisloe magic that I'm sure we'll see from Perth and look forward to... Because after this weekend, there's only two more tests for the Wallabies before we get to Japan in the World Cup. It's really fast approaching, so it's more and more questions being raised every week. We'll just hopefully see a few answers. Uh, lineups and other news will be posted throughout our social media at Instagram and Facebook at Running Rugby Podcast and on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. Uh, Continue to download and get all your favourite episodes or go back and listen to what we've been saying in the past and see if it matches up to what we're saying this weekend or not. Uh, You can find us at all major platforms including Apple iTunes, Spotify and everywhere else you find your podcasts. But thanks again for tuning in. Thanks, Toby. Thanks, Leah given a bit of time to give your expertise on the topic. Let's hope for a Wallabies win in Perth this weekend. Get on down there. I believe it's already sold out, so it will be a great stadium and a great spectacle. Keep on running. Run.